today. Today. Okay. Kate was like, how will people know that... I was like, do let them know that this is the start of the talk, or else they're going to feel like the notices are going on for life forever. forever. This is the start of the talk. There <laughs> <laughs> we go, right? <laughs> go so, go. Uh, welcome to Vision Sunday Part 2. Every year, we take two weeks to ask and remind ourselves, what's the vision? What's the big idea? What are we all trying to do as we bless this city in the name of Jesus? And really, this uh, talk today is to really help us answer the question, well, what is my part in this vision because the key thing about our vision is that it's a vision in which we want everyone to be able to play their part. So last week we looked at the vision statement which is to play our part in the evangelization of the nations, the transformation of society and the revitalization of the local church. You know as a church we want to play our part in seeing the homeless housed, the streets safe, addictions broken, churches opened up again, and the good news of the message of God's love in Jesus everywhere. And there are three things that everyone can do. First, pray. Pray. Um, none of this is possible without God's power obviously. Um, so thank you so much, first of all, for being such a prayerful church. You guys are prayerful. And we just had a 24-7 week of prayer really recently, and you guys covered every single hour slot. You carried the prayer baton, if you like. And also, thank you so much to those of you who go to the online morning prayer meeting every morning in the week. Um, and if you haven't joined in with that, you totally should. Like, you can do your, your camera off, your mic on mute or whatever, and, and as you rush the kids out the door or on your commute to work. Thank you for joining in. We want everyone praying. So first of all, we want everyone praying. And secondly, we would love everyone serving. We heard last week from Amber and from Sean, and they were absolutely amazing. I mean, you were good too, Dan, but they were amazing. So if you did miss it, do go online and have a look at that last week, because they were just talking. I mean, they said loads of things, so don't just rely on me. But the thing that I took away was that serving on team, for them, what that does is it makes a difference out there but mostly it makes a difference in here. What they were talking about, the thing that captivated me, was that it's a spiritual discipline itself, serving on team, that it changes us. And we have so many ways of serving on team here. Um, and there's ways in which you can do, you can serve by doing, there's ways that you can serve by organizing, but also ways of serving by just being. Like so often, Jesus just calls us to be present with him and with people. And, and so often what people really want from us is just to be present. Um, safe haven is one of those spaces, one of those spaces where we can just be with some of the most disadvantaged in our city. And at the moment, about a quarter of St. Peter's are regularly serving on team. And so there is lots of room for people to get involved and to join in and just think as we all step in to serve on teams and, and build the resilience in our teams, what an impact it could have. So we would love everyone praying, everyone serving, but also everyone giving financially. Most people here at St. Peter's give uh, regularly through a standing order or alike through some kind of banking app. Um, but the great thing about that, a commitment to giving, is that it, it helps us uh, know what is coming in. So it helps us make a plan. And, um, you know, that 
that's really helpful because, you know, we, we don't try and keep reserves here for a rainy day. We keep, like, the minimum reserves that we uh, have to by law, uh, but we're aiming to give everything away. That everything you give, we give back out in service of our city. So many people, uh, most people give through a regular standing order, and, and lots of others give through one-off donations. And I have to say, you guys are an incredibly, incredibly generous church. You give so, so much. Everything we do here is only possible through your generous generosity. You are the ones who are making this happen. And so we have got a plan for what we would like to do as a church for next year. And to do all we want to do, our church warden and our church wardens and our treasurer have given us a target. Now, first of all, I should say thank you. We have incredible church wardens, Ben and AY, and an amazing treasurer, Chris, who they give of their time to help lead this church. And, and I'm so grateful for their leadership. And they've They've set us a target. They've said, to do all we want to do next year, we think we need to do two things today. Number one, increase the amount of regular monthly giving by £10,000 a month. Now, that could happen through everyone who's already giving, asking the Lord today, Lord, do you want me to stretch a little bit further and give a little bit more. And it could happen also by those who are new to the church, maybe you haven't had an opportunity to start giving yet, uh, to, to take today's your opportunity to start. And then they've also given us a target that today it would be great to reach a target of 50,000 pounds in one-off donations, because we know that not everybody is able to commit to giving monthly at the moment, and, and actually some people do both. And so at the end, we're gonna put out a crate little crate down there and uh, we're going to pray and then we're going to give uh, have a time of giving where people can come and um, uh, put their offering in the basket and we'll see what happens now you're probably thinking what's the plan and actually, before I talk about the plan, I should probably say what is not the plan. And one of the things is, I need to say, your money today isn't going towards finishing restoring the tower out there. Okay. Normally, the second question I get asked when somebody finds out I'm the vicar of St. Peter's is, when's the scaffolding coming down? Um, and uh, now, just say as well, there is a plan for that. And I'm going to get to talk to you about that later on this year, early next year. Really exciting plan for finishing the work uh, there, freeing up the space, being a little bit of a better neighbor to our neighbors, and just making the building look a lot more friendly and inviting. But that's not uh, what we're aiming for today. Um, what we're aiming for today is really what we spoke about last week. And if you weren't here, do go and check out uh, that, um, that talk uh, from last week. It's online. But we've got a pie chart here. And this is where we are going to put our money to work in the next year. Oh, two extra lines. Not quite sure what those are. Um, so, this is where we are aiming to put our money to work next year. 5% of it going on Alpha to create a place where people can explore faith. 34% of it on operations. That's what the practical things that need to happen to, in order us to do ministry in this space. Uh, you could just divide that amongst everything, but we thought it's easier just to see that. 20% on prayer, worship, Sundays, the worship life of the church. 10% on safe haven, making those spaces happen. Uh, 6% we give away. So um, actually as a church, we've always had a policy that 10% of what people regularly commit to give, we give 10% of that away. So 
other things that are happening in our city that are in line with our vision and values, but that we can't do. Things like, you know, partnering with Off the Fence, uh, partnering with um, CAP, Christians Against Poverty. Um, they're amazing. We can't do it here. So actually for CAP, we help uh, support uh, a CAP worker at Holland Road Baptist Church, and they work with people to get them out of debt. And actually, if that's something you're facing in this season, do go and, and access a CAP uh, through Holland Road. They're amazing. Then 25% of it on discipleship. This is investing in our, our children, our youth, uh, pastoral care, the discipleship stream, raising up the next generation of people who will be Christians, follow Jesus, and go and plant churches. So that's sort of the big thing. What, what does that look like tangibly? Well, through uh, uh, feeding people, it costs about five pounds to give somebody a meal here, a meal that is delicious as well as nutritious, so it's worthwhile eating, doesn't just fill them up, but it's actually good for them. Or, you know, uh, another way of thinking, it costs about £165 for somebody to do alpha, one term of alpha. So that's where it might land in your head, in your giving to what you, where that is going. But with that in mind, I want to speak today, we want to speak today about following Jesus on an adventure of generosity. Following Jesus on an adventure of generosity. Because when we give, we're following Jesus, who is the most generous person who ever walked the planet, who gave because of the joy that was set before him. And we're going to look at one of the parables that Jesus told, the story of the 10 miners. Now, it's worth saying that when Jesus tells parables, he doesn't tell them to make things all clear and simple. He tells them to cause us to imagine what life might look like under his kingship. And actually, this is a really punchy parable. And actually, there's two narratives going on here because he's speaking to two crowds, one crowd that want him, one crowd that don't want him. And so there's a lot going on. And actually, we're just going to look at one of those narratives in this today. But in the Bible study that we do each week for the groups, we'll try and explore everything. But Kate's going to come and read it to us now as we look at the story. So the reading is Luke 19, verses 11 to 27. While they were listening to this, he, Jesus, went on to tell them a parable. Because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once, he said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 miners. Put this money to work he said, until I come back. Okay, so a miner, as Dan said, is a sum of money. One miner is about three months wages, speaking now times. So what is your monthly income? Times that by three in your hand. He gave them that a lot. So he's made king and then he returns. Verse 15. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your miner has earned 10 more. Oh, well done, my good servant, his master replied. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of 10 cities. The second came and said, Sir, your miner has earned five more. His master answered, You take charge of five cities. 
Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your miner. I've kept it, laid it away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you're a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words. You wicked servant, you knew, did you, that I'm a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his miner away from him and give it to the one who has 10 miners. Jesus is on an adventure of generosity that is changing the world. And he is inviting us to join in and to follow him. And to do that, there are four things for us to remember. How to follow Jesus on an adventure of generosity. Firstly, remember whose adventure it is. So we read that he called the servants and gave them 10 miners and said, put this money to work until I come back. So um, tomorrow, I'd quite like to have some friends come over for lunch, uh, no, for dinner, actually, dinner, let's splash out. Um, and, uh, but I haven't got any, I need to go shopping, so I need 100 pounds. They're, exp- oh, thank you, thank you. I've got 100 pounds. <laughs> I've got 100 pounds, brilliant. They're expensive friends. Now, now why was John so quick to give me a hundred pounds. Well, it's because before the service, I went up to John and I I said, here is a hundred pounds. This is my a hundred pounds. And in the talk, there's going to be a moment where I ask if somebody could give me a hundred pounds. And I'd like you at that moment to immediately come up and give me a hundred pounds because it's, it's my money. Like John was able and had no problems in giving me a hundred pounds because he knew it wasn't his. When I'm struggling to be generous, it's because I think that all of my money belongs to me. But actually, according to this parable, the money always belonged to the master. The master had just trusted these guys for a season to see what they would do with what they were given. Maybe um, they shouldn't have been called miners. They should have been called yourners. Come on, your nan would have loved that joke. That's terrible. She was, she was. That's terrible. Uh, you know, when we think all the money is mine, and I'm going to give a little bit of it, actually, that's not much fun. But when we think all the money is his, and we're saying, well, Lord, how do you want me to put this bit of the money to work in my life, this bit of my money to work in others' lives, in my church's life, that is a much more exciting conversation. When we see that all of the money is his, everything we have is his, this makes it a lot easier to follow him on this adventure. So number one, remember whose adventure it is. Two, attach your money to a vision. The master gives his servants the money and says, verse 13, put this money to work until I come back. Because money can do stuff, can't it? Like like money is used to make stuff happen. And so really we are given an opportunity. We have a responsibility to make a difference with the money that we do have. And it is amazing. It's 
well, it's remarkable, really. What is happening here at St. Peter's through your generosity? And it's quite easy to get complacent, and I know I do. But do you know what? Most weeks, we hear of people coming to faith in Jesus. And in fact, recently, every week, we hear of people coming to faith in Jesus. This Thursday, Sue Knott um, shared her story and spoke at Safe Haven. And um, I heard of one person who was just like, after hearing her story, yeah, that's it. That's it. I want Jesus in my life. Alpha this term, we have don't we? Like the most <laughs> incredible small group, atheists, agnostics, round a table, just discussing uh, what, what, discussing if faith in Jesus could have anything to offer them. And um, one girl was, is in our alpha group just because one of you met her in a shop, invited her along. And another guy is there because he saw a 10 foot, three foot, don't know, very big, Huh? 30 foot. 30 foot. Never good with the numbers. That's why you do that bit. 30 foot um, Bear Grylls poster on the side of the building. So he, about how many years ago? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, long, long time and so ago. he just showed up for that reason. Um, I, honestly, I don't know how they come. It's so much fun. Um, and there's 107 people in Alpha Groups this time. And there are 42 of you serving to make it happen. As well, there is just a real hunger in this place for worship and reading of the Bible. And, and here on Sundays, we are getting to capacity. There's not a lot of room. And so we are putting plans in place. We need to have an extra morning service to just make room for the hunger in this place. And the discipleship stream that's just started, last time we had a over a hundred people in here going deeper, just what longing to, to follow Jesus and, and grow in their understanding of the Bible. Now, those are the big headlines, but those big headlines uh, are made up of individual stories just stacking up all over the place. And I want to share one um, remarkable story with you today um, about this lady. She gave us permission to share her story. And I honestly, I share it with awe and wonder, really. And we're really grateful for, to her for letting us share it with you. There is... Um, a woman, she's become part of the church community here, and she had been through a really, a really horrendous time. Um, she had been in a domestic abuse relationship, which had led to drinking and to drugs, which had then led to a prison sentence, which then heartbreakingly had led to her children being taken away from her care. And on release from prison, she came to St. Peter's um, through the probation breakfast, which happens here, and through Safe Haven Women, and she's also got involved in other things here in the life of the church. And a while back, she came to Safe Haven Women, and then suddenly, abruptly, she left. She left, and even in the crowds, one of the team, you, you spotted her, and you ran after her and just asked her what was wrong, and, and she said that she was, she was pregnant again, and she didn't know what to do because she knew that the child would be taken away from her, and, and she didn't. She, she couldn't go through that again, and some of the team, you guys just rallied around her and tried to support her as best as, as you could, and she gave birth to the baby, and she is honestly thriving as a mom. 
And she, as of last week, has come off all social services, supervision and oversight. And the social services have said that you would never know that any of that was in her past, that she, that her life is transformed. And you know what? I hear stories like this all the time, and I am just so grateful that I can play, can, that I can put anything in <laughs> to make that happen. And I want all of us to be able to own this vision just to play our little part in making this happen. As Dan said, this is a vision where we just want everyone to own it. So when we put the crate out later, this, this lovely wooden crate, I thought it was going to be a basket, but that, that's cooler. Um, even if um, you think it's just a small amount, we just want everybody to get involved. If you think it's just a small amount or if actually your giving needs to stay the same at the moment, write it on the envelope. Even if you actually need to go home and like do the sums in a little bit more detail at home. Or even if you're just like want to do an IOU or a, or a pledge or whatever it is, no matter how small it feels, I'd encourage every single single person to join in and write on that envelope and put it in that crate, sort of as a statement, a way of saying, do you know what? I'm in. Like, I want to play my part in making this vision happen. I want to follow you, Jesus, on an adventure of generosity, whatever that looks like in my circumstances right now. So as a picture of this, actually, later, we have got the kids, and they're going to lead the way. So they're going to come in, and they're going to lead our giving. They'll have drawn pictures to Jesus and all their prayers, and they're going to throw them in the crate first as a, as a real statement that we all get to own this vision. So remember whose adventure it is. Attach your money to a vision. Third, expect dramatic returns. So we read, the master comes back. And then he sent for the servants whom he'd given the money in order to find out what they'd gained with it. And the return is pretty amazing. First of all, one miner has become five. One of them has become ten. And, and just as the start, like, you know, then the master goes, well, have even more. He's like, you made ten. Take charge of five city, uh, ten cities. You made five. Take charge of five cities. Now, to put that in context, as Kate said, one miner is worth about seven and a half thousand pounds on like average salaries in the UK and, and that gets multiplied into five cities like I don't know if you saw this the uh, the budget for Brighton and Hove Council next year 900 million pounds uh, and so he's like you did well with seven and a half thousand pounds now take charge with 4.5 billion pounds <laughs> like it's totally over the top this is not proportionate it's extravagant over and above blessing because in God's economy, it's not about addition, it's about multiplication. You know, and that's really important for us. When we look at the size of any vision, you might be thinking, well, what, what can I do? I want the whole nation to hear about Jesus. Well, what can I do? Well, well, he's entrusted us with a few friends, maybe at the school gate or in our office. He's like, well, just be faithful with them. And then we see what happens. You know, this, this vision is so big. My gift is relatively so small. What can happen? Well, anything can happen because this is about multiplication. You know, last week, um, we talked about how in 2009, St. Peter's was going to close. 
but a few faithful people got together and prayed in a chip shop over the road and said, Lord, don't let this shut. And God answered their prayers, and he put a call on the heart of Sam and Archie Coates, who were up at HDB in London. And then a small team gathered around them. I think we have a little photo, yeah, of that team who also felt called, and they were sent And when the church sent them from London, they gave them for the church a gift of 50,000 pounds. And this church was planted and this church grew. And then we, uh, we've got um, this on the timeline. We then planted four times in Brighton. And then we've planted six times uh, outside of Brighton as well. And then those plants, they've then planted. And so out of that original gift, all of this life has come. Now, the thing is, when we sent those initial plants out, we remembered that HDB had been very generous to us and given us 50,000 pounds. So we sent them with a team, but we also sent them with 50,000 pounds. So in 2016, we planted in Portsmouth. You gave, and we planted in Portsmouth. And then in 2019, they planted into Cardiff, and then last year, they planted into Pontypridd. It all traces back. As we see here, you know, when you seed money into the kingdom of God, the result is multiplication. Can you even begin to imagine what our giving will become as we invest it into the kingdom of God. I, I don't think we can. Like, and it can be easy to feel overwhelmed when we look at the need of the city, this nation, this world. And sometimes we can think, well, well, we'll leave it to those with more. But actually, Jesus says every contribution counts. And God will use, he will multiply whatever we give. There is a couple who've been um, a part of St. Peter's since the beginning, and um, they're about to move out of Brighton, actually, which we're gutted about, but um, they're going to go be closer to their grandchildren, um, which I totally understand, because we're very grateful to have our our kids' grandparents around. And um, anyway, their new church in their new location where they're going to live is the church plant in Pontypri. Like, did you, did you reckon that they thought, like, however many years ago, back in 2016, when they, like, gave to support the church plant out into, into Portsmouth, do you think it crossed their mind, do you know what, I'm going to be investing and future-proofing my church going in seven years' time? No, but it crossed God's mind. God has a plan. God, it was in God's mind that day, and that's where they're going to be. So... Finally, the last thing is to see who God really is. I don't know where you are now. I feel like we've screwed this up. But, uh, what do you want me to do? <laughs> you could just go on with that. Okay, I'll just carry on and then you can just like pitch in if I've missed anything. But um, one of the servants in this story, he misses, he, misses the, he misses all of this. All of this glory, all this excitement. He doesn't go on an adventure of generosity. He didn't take any risks. He didn't put his master's money to work and simply wrapped it up in a cloth and put it in the ground. And the master is not impressed. Verse 24, then he said to those standing by, take this miner away from him and give it to the one who has 10 miners. And I suppose my first reaction when um, reading this was, ooh, that's a bit harsh. 
Like he calls him a, a wicked servant. Why does the master get so incredibly cross? I mean, he didn't lose his money, he gave it back. But the reason that we give today is only partly about seeing the vision come about. Our giving today is also about seeing who God really is. Like, imagine it. Imagine, in this story, imagine their inner world. Uh, the master gives generously to each of these 10 servants. And, and that night, two of the servants, they go to bed. They go to bed. And, and, and their hearts are racing. They're pounding and they're dreaming and of all the things that they can do with this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity in their hand. They are dreaming. They are daring. And the next day, they spend the day trying and risking to see what will happen and what will multiply after out of what their master has given them. But the other servant, he goes to bed and he's doing no dreaming. He's like not risking, his heart is not pounding and he takes the money and he hides it right up until the day that the master returns and he is not any but different. He has not been dreaming, he has not been risking and his life is not changed at all. And the master comes back, and what causes such a reaction in him, I think, is not the money, but the misunderstanding of who he is. Maybe you wouldn't think of it as a sin. You know, he was just playing it safe. There's wisdom in that, right? But do you see how actually it's the master's character that he maligns here? Like his servant, he can't even see the facts. He says, you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and you reap what you did not sow. Uh, that's like factually incorrect. Like reread the story, mate. You are in it. Like literally the opposite of that is true. What this shows us is that if we think that God is a hard man, who takes from us but does not put in and gives us impossible commands that we can't do and then doesn't lift a finger to help us, then of course we should hold on to everything that we've got really tight. But that's not what we see in this story. And it's definitely not what we see in Jesus. The God I've encountered on my journey is a God of generosity. Like I cannot outgive God. Actually, um, some of the students here were, were talking about this, and um, our students do. They came up with really good questions. And so, Dan, are you up for this? I thought we could do like a quick fire question session just to finish. Are you ready? It's got to be quick. Okay. Concise. Okay. You ready? Okay. Yeah. What difference has giving made in your life? Um, I think for me, uh, my parents, when they first talked to me about pocket money, also spoke about giving as well. And that was really helpful because it's easiest to give when you don't have much. That's like the easiest point to start giving when you have little. And I think I'd say freedom. Freedom is the biggest word. It's the biggest impact I see in other people's lives. W when you give, it gives us freedom from the fear of, uh, of lack and uh, the control money seeks to have over us. Very good. You can do it faster though. Are you ready? Is it wrong not to feel compelled to give? <laughs> uh, no, not at all. <laughs> 
I think we have to be honest, that's probably the default posture of my heart. But that's why it's so important, because as you give, your emotions follow. And I think it's helpful to see it, you know, um, you know I, the reason I want to give is because when I'm mean uh, with things and not generous, I become sadder. Like actually, the word uh, miser for somebody who doesn't want to give is stingy, is where we get the word miserable, miserable. Um, actually, I don't know any generous people who are not happy. So, yes, that. Very good. If I'm giving of my time, though, do I need to give of my money? Uh, I think we get to do both. We get to do both. And I think, actually, giving of your time and your money, those are the two most transformative disciplines for helping us to decenter ourselves from our lives and to grow more like Jesus. But I do think it's helpful to see it as a journey, to think of it as an adventure, a giving journey. You know, uh, normally, when you start off, uh, when you're younger, your time poor, so to speak, but you, uh, sorry, money poor, but you're time rich, so you have more time to give. Then as you uh, take on more responsibility in the workplace, you might have more money to give, but less time to give, and then when you retire, it kind of flips back. So it's important to see there are different seasons of life where you can lean into generosity in different ways, but the key thing is growing in that generosity. And lastly, how much is the right amount? Yes, very good question. So in the Old Testament, in the, uh, under the law, the people, actually, it's fascinating. I, I slightly geeked out on this this week. But um, there are three tithes in the Old Testament, the Old Testament word for what you had to give. First of all, the one most people know about is there was 10% you had to give to the temple to help uh, people worship. But then there was another 10% that you had to spend basically on your family holiday because you had to go to these holy days, these big festivals with food and celebration where you remembered the story of who they were as a people. And God said you had to spend 10% on that. That's pretty... It's pretty incredible, isn't it? Ten, spend 10% on your holiday. And also every three years, he said, take another 10% and just give it away to the refugee, the widows, the poor, the homeless around you. And so kind of that is a radically different way to using money than we would probably think of in the Western world today. But with the New Testament, we're not held to that. This is not a you have to. This is a we get to. And actually, most Christians around the world have used that as a sort of a guide. 10% is quite helpful because it's an amount that makes a big difference in your life. It impacts your life, and it can also make a big difference out there. But as I say, this is a we get to, not a you have to. But I think, like Kate kind of just touched on, here's the real thing. Jesus wants us to see who he really is. You know, he wants us to see what his character is like. If we look at the story, this is a, this God said, Jesus, this is a God who, who gives us a load of money. And then when we get a return on it, lets us keep the return and then rewards us extravagantly even more on top. And that's before we look to the cross, to the cross of Jesus. You know, the New Testament says this, if he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? You know, if there was one verse that didn't need to be in the Bible, it'd be that. God could have just said, look, I gave you my son. I'm giving you enough, don't you think? Like, no, no. He's like, I've given you my son. I'm going to give you everything. I've gone all in on you. If, giving you. if I've given you my son, everything else is just spare change. Like, you know, the question really is, you know, given all that we know about his kindness, his mercy, his power. The question is, in light of that, how much should I give? 
Well, the answer is you give enough to cause you to need to trust in Jesus a little bit more than you already do. You say, I'm going to give in a way that means I need to trust in you. Because today, we're invited to join Jesus in his adventure of generosity. Amen. 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 Amen.